like you could describe a promise as a state machine where you can't be in both the loading and the resolved or the resolved and the rejected states at the same time. And there's a well-defined transition. You're listening to episode number 11 of 20 Minute JavaScript, where we discuss everything JavaScript related. As always, this episode is hosted by Open Replay, an open source session replay suite for developers. Stop guessing what your production issues are and check out Open Replay. I'm Fernando Doglio, your host and your favorite human for the next 20 or so minutes. And today we're going to be talking about state machines for the front end with David Korshit. He's the creator of XState, a popular state machine library and the founder of stately.ai. So, David, welcome. Thank you for being here. And please, introduce yourself. Hey, yeah. So, um, like Fernando said, my name is David. I live in Orlando, Florida, and I've been a software developer for over 12 years now. Most recently, I was at Microsoft as a software engineer. And now I'm the founder of a startup called Stately, and uh, we're building a software platform for making application logic and workflows visual and collaborative uh, and enabling this like with entire software teams. Um, it's based on a state machine library, like you said, that I made called XState, and uh, I made that about six years ago. Oh wow! All right, so it's been it's been under under development for a while. Yeah. We we actually on, on our on our blog we published a while ago uh, an article about XState and how it could be used to to replace some of the common state management libraries in in React. And uh, it really caught my eye. I mean, I never heard about it before or even about using a state machine to do that on the front end. So it, it, it was really an interesting concept, really, really different from the standard, essentially. So let's start uh, with the basics. If someone listening doesn't know what XState is, can you elaborate on that? Sure. So, yeah, XState is a library for JavaScript and TypeScript. So basically for web development uh, that enables developers to create state machines and state charts easily and use them anywhere and even visualize and inspect them. So it gets compared a lot to state management libraries, but XState is actually much more than a state management library because it also orchestrates how different parts of your application can communicate with each other uh, by sending events. And it also does things like declaratively manage effects and uh, things like that. So you could think of it as more of a superset of a state management library. Absolutely. I mean, uh, from what I've seen, you can even probably declare your whole business logic around the states if you, exactly. if you can map it. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. And so, so let's go one step back. How do you define a state machine then? Let's get a little bit the theory down and then uh, we'll go into a practical realm. Yeah, yeah. So um, state machines are actually a lot simpler than people might think, especially if you go to Wikipedia, you're going to get a mathematical definition and it gets really confusing. But the basic way you could think about it is like this. A state machine is a way of describing the logic of something in terms of three things. You have finite states, events, and state transitions. And so it is a mathematical model of computation, as Wikipedia would say, and of course, computer science textbooks. Uh, but it's also a visual one. And so it guarantees that something can only be in one finite state at any given time. So the classic example is a traffic light. You know, it could either be green or yellow or red. And you can't have a traffic light be both green and red at the same time. And the transitions are also deterministic. So 
as a driver, when you're looking at a traffic light, you always know that it will go from green to yellow to red and then back to green. Otherwise, you have lots of car accidents. Um, <laughs> and as it turns out, state machines are also extremely useful in software and especially application development. Like you could describe a promise as a state machine where you can't be in both the loading and the resolved or the resolved and the rejected states at the same time. And there's a well-defined transition between those states. Uh, and they could also describe more complex things such as multi-step forms, back-end workflows, chatbots, and so much more. Oh, all right. And then how is XState taking that concept of a state machine and putting it in, in the hands of the uh, front-end developers? How are we going to use that for a front-end? Yeah, so um, when I first started learning about state machines, it was in a, I, I guess you could call it an a academic aspect where, you know, Regular expressions are basically state machines or they describe uh, recognizers, acceptors, etc. And I was like, how could this possibly be used in normal application development? It's so theoretical. Uh, I read a book a while ago, though, called uh, Constructing the User Interface with State Charts that really opened my eye to, um, you know, how state machines can be used in applications. And it made me realize that state machines are actually everywhere in software, you know, because developers are always creating implicit state machines in their apps. Uh, but that implicitness is actually a problem because they might manage their state with Booleans such as is loading or is success. And there's no way to fully understand the logic. Like you, you can't really share it with your team. They really have to dive into the code and also get a mental image of like how that uh, logic works. So, um, yeah, basically, I created XState to do two things, which is provide the like an explicit and a uh, declarative way to um, define these state machines and also to visualize them. And by describing your app logic, like using state machines, uh, you do have that clear and visual representation of even the most complex app logic. And because it's deterministic, you in, it, you eliminate entire classes of bugs and impossible states and transitions. Uh, but more importantly, it transforms your app logic into something that could be shared, even with non-technical people on your team, such as designers and project managers. And so this means that the logic no longer just lives in the developer's head, but you also have a common language to talk about logic with just those three main concepts, states, events, and transitions. And again, this, this is everywhere in um, application logic from, you know, uh, the component level to the routing level to backend workflows to everywhere. And when you say you can share it, you mean through state state charts, right? Because it's not like you're gonna just expect someone else to understand the, the definition of the state machine in code, right? Exactly. And so um, the way that you would create state machines in code are in a way that can be visualized using that visual formalism, which is just boxes and arrows. So um, different people refer to it as different things. You know, we have state machines, state charts, state diagrams. Uh, designers might refer to it as user flows. Uh, project managers might refer to it as flow charts. But these are all essentially the same thing. So that's what I mean by, you know, that, that shared uh, definition or that shared language really. Right. That's really powerful. Um, if you think about it, being able to write your whole, your whole logic. And, and is it, is it practical to think about it that way? Because I've, I've never really done it myself, but um, I've seen the examples in the documentation and in the code, at least you get like a several files of JSON essentially, or somewhat similar to, to JSON definitions of states and transitions and different parts of uh, our actions as well. So is it really practical for big applications or would you say the once it reaches a certain 
level of the, the amount of things you can do, the amount of states you can handle, then it becomes impractical. Uh, so I, I would actually um, say the opposite, where uh, state machines and state charts become more practical the more you have to manage states and events. Because as application logic grows over time, and it inevitably will, like you're always going to be adding features or dealing with edge cases, you need to keep track as a developer of what are the different states my app could be in and what are all the different events that can happen and especially the events that can't happen. So for example, if your app is in some sort of a loading state, you might want to disable certain things from happening. Otherwise, you'll cause race conditions and impossible states and things like that. Um, And also from a business perspective, you do want to understand all of the features of your app. It's like, where where exactly is that listed? Maybe in Jira, which I don't know if it's still broken right now or something, but or like maybe in some sort of issue tracker or uh, some random place. Uh, but there is no definitive place where you could say, here's everything that a user could do in the application from start to end. Um, and so applications, unfortunately, end up like that because you don't have a defined way of saying, here's all my states, here's all my events, here's all my transitions. And so that's why I would recommend the state machine not only for uh, organizing the code, but also for um, you know sharing that knowledge with everyone, even users, but most importantly, your entire software development team. And would you say there are uh, specific use cases that lend themselves better for this type of development, or is it good for everything? Uh, yeah, so in general, you should try to use a state machine at the very least to describe the logic of any part of your app. Um, and... This is like, it it doesn't matter which kind of app you're working on. You could describe it in terms of finite states, which are, you know, you could refer to them as modes or statuses or even routes. And also in terms of events, which is anything that could happen in the app, whether it's internal or external. So it's just a great way of describing like a user could log in or log out. This data could load or it could, you know, present an error or something like that. Um, so even if you're just drawing boxes and arrows on a whiteboard, that still counts as like using a state machine in designing your application logic. But uh, specifically, they're especially useful for things like multi-step forms, complex components like date pickers, uh, managing asynchronous logic where you might have a sequence of things that need to be completed one after the other, uh, different modes of the app, um, and so much more. And so there's pretty much always some way that state machines can be applied to a non-trivial app. Interesting. And and you've you've built, uh, let's say, uh, integrations with the React and Vue and uh, all the major frameworks, right? Yeah. So currently there's integrations with React, Vue, Svelte, Stencil, I believe. And we're, you know, we're currently talking about adding integrations for Angular, but XState itself is a framework agnostic library. And the interface is really similar to an event emitter, observable, whatever you want to call it. So it's actually pretty easy to integrate it in uh, frameworks such as Angular. And people have done that before. All right. And uh, interesting comparisons. Would you say that the whole process works under the the, sort of the observer pattern uh, or, or is it more complex than that? Uh, I, yeah, I would actually say that, um, so a state machine describes the behavior of what's called an actor and an actor is just like you and I, it's something that it's a specific entity where we could receive events or messages and we could send messages as well. So just like you and I are talking, we're sending and receiving messages to each other. Same thing with an actor. So if you think of an observable as an interface where you could subscribe to things that it emits, 
Um, and after it's just one level of abstraction above that, where you could also send things directly to it, and then it has its own internal behavior. And so it might, there might not be a one-to-one, like whenever you send something is uh, emitted, but it takes that event, does some internal logic, and then it might communicate with outside things. But also this actor can spawn other actors too. So it's sort of like an extension of observables. Yeah. Interesting. And I want to touch a bit more on the on the scalability of, of this model. Because again, from a practical point of view, even if you're using some kind of visual editor to create the whole uh, state machine, that eventually translates into a set of uh, configurations. The basic examples that you find online are one big configuration file. What uh, am I to understand? That's the only way to describe your whole logic, or are you able to like split it into subfiles and and then be able to like modularize that state machine so that it's easier to maintain? So it's actually encouraged to split it into different responsibilities. So instead of having one single state machine just dictate all of the logic for your app, like you would do with Redux, maybe uh, you would have. Um, it's split into just like we were talking about actors. So you would maybe have one parent actor that's responsible for delegating things to other actors, which could communicate back with the parents. And it's also possible for actors to communicate with each other. So in that way, you have a separation of responsibility, which of course you could put into separate files. Um, yeah. And actually like if your state machine, like if you do have something that is single responsibility, but the state machine does end up being really big, Just consider like, I, I mean, you could do like normal things where you separate the logic into different files and then pull it in because it's just a JavaScript object at the end of the day. But consider too that like the equivalence of writing that same logic using switch statements or um, other techniques is actually going to be a lot more verbose. So, you know, it's not the biggest deal in the world. All right. And uh, tell us a little bit about stately.ai then, uh, because it looks like you turn XState into a company. Is that is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So I basically turned XState into a startup about a year ago. And there, there, uh, there is a lot of interest for, you know, the visual tooling and services on top of XState. And even though I was working nights and weekends on XState while I was at Microsoft and companies before that, I, I quickly realized that there was no way that I could build these dream tools that people were asking for without doing this full time or having a team of amazing people to work on it with me. And so that's why our goal is basically to build out a software platform for visual application logic, which really encompasses everything from component logic to routing and forms and even server-side workflows eventually. The open source tooling, of course, will always be free and well-maintained, but we do envision premium tooling and services that companies will want to use to manage their workflows and logic uh, that hopefully will save them a ton of time and money. Um, and so, I mean, that's how we're going to survive as a business. Uh, and of course, it, it won't be limited to just XState. And I feel like that's important to mention because we want this to be a platform for any sort of logic that you could describe, especially with state machines and state charts. Uh, but XState, of course, provides a good foundation for this since, you know, state machines are a pretty universal concept. And you could translate a lot of things to state machines, even CI, CD workflows, you know, ETL workflows, things like that. We we just feel like, you know, this is basically the visual editor for any sort of application logic. Interesting. And, and on that, have you found or have you run into 
any use case that you said, well, this is not going to work uh, with a state machine? Uh, that's a good question. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll always recommend to use a state machine, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to use like X states, for example. So like I talked about before, uh, developers have, you know, been doing like implicit state machines. Um, you know, that that's typically how we code, actually. So really, it's at the point where you, if you want to make those implicit state machines explicit, then you would use something like X state or even just something where you could formalize that into some sort of state machine. So it, again, it doesn't necessarily have to be X state. Yeah, I, I would say that where X state shines too is when state machines themselves are too limiting because you can define state charts in X state, which can be thought of as extended state machines with many more features. Uh, but for many apps, you might not need all of those features. So I, I would recommend, you know, I would actually recommend writing state machines yourself using switch statements if you need to, um, or using a more limited library like X state FSM, which doesn't have all the state chart features. But in general, like, I guess, you know, for trivial apps, like apps where you don't really have that many states or you don't really have that many events, then no, you don't need state machines. But also those apps are pretty boring. (laughs) I mean, there's (laughs) not too much going on in those apps. And I always say that like apps don't stay simple for long. If an app is worth developing and adding features to, it is going to get more complex and you do want something to manage that complexity. All right, perfect. That's all the time we have to discuss state machines. But before we leave, I want to ask you three three questions that we ask all, all, all of our guests. So what was the best advice you ever received? Uh, I I would say probably, um, you know, that there's there's more to life than work. Like, I don't know if you've started watching Severance, but, <laughs> you know, that, that show has been, you know, pretty addicting. Um, but yeah, so there's more to life than work. And this is, actually ironically why i'm so passionate about what i'm doing now because i see a real opportunity to just greatly reduce the amount of work that entire software teams need to do because there's so much that we could automate but yeah i I find lots of inspiration just not working and playing piano and things like that that's interesting absolutely uh and what is going back to work though but sorry about that (laughs) but what is the most exciting project to work on uh, I would say the one we're working on right now, which is the visual editor, because um, it's like a diagramming tool, just like uh, Whimsical or Scala Draw um, or um, you know, sort of like Figma. Uh, but this visual editor, the, the magical thing is that it outputs code. So it's like these diagrams that you draw, you could actually put them inside your code. And I just think it's so cool, even, even though like I... I know all the internals of how it works and everything. I still find it pretty magical that you could do that. Interesting. And side question, are you using uh, your own libraries to to create that application? Oh, yes. Yes, everywhere. So Xdata is definitely used in the editor, the registry, the visualizer. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, Final question. What is one thing you, you wish you knew before you started coding? So, yeah, I I would say that, um, and this is also advice for junior developers, I guess, too, but it's that everyone Googles, you know, everyone is going to, you know, Google questions. Like, I think junior developers get stuck in this trap, and me especially when I was a junior, where it's like, I shouldn't be Googling this because, um, you know, I should just know it. You know, I don't feel like an accomplished developer. Uh, Like, all these other developers probably have all this memorized, which is not true at all. Like even now I've been developing for over a decade. And when I come to a problem that I don't know, I have like 40 tabs open to stack overflow 
and just MDN documentation, like just trying to figure out a problem. Uh, so yeah, just don't be afraid to ask for help and just Google everything or Bing Absolutely. if you use Bing. <laughs> <laughs> Who does though? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, absolutely great, great advice. All right. Thank you again for, for agreeing to, to come and, and talk about a little bit about state machines and a next state. Please finally let our audience know where they can find you, where they can, can contact you. And we'll add all those links in the show notes. Sure. So I'm David K. Piano pretty much everywhere on Twitter, GitHub, LinkedIn, probably. And so you could find me um, there. And also our company website is stately.ai. So you can find everything right. we're working on there. Perfect. All right. That's all the time we have. Thank you again, David, for, for coming in. Check out X-State. And yeah. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. Catch you on the next one.